armed with unqualified opinions. Talk filmy to me. Hello, welcome to the Talk Filmy to Me podcast, the film podcast about news, entertainment, general pop culture. I am your host, Adam Flint, and joining me today is someone who's been on the pod a couple of times, someone we love and admire, Joanne Rowley. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. I'm uh, hiding out to try and get better uh, sound quality. So if I sound funny, <laughs> it's not because I. Do you re- do you realise that every time I've been on, I've had like a reason of me sounding weird? Because I think I had a cold the last two times I was on. I don't know. You just powered through, to be honest. So yeah. I, I, I kind of just—I don't remember the cold. I just remember you calling me out my bullshit and really liking <laughs> Disney. I mean, that's still sounds so. That's very true. So what is Halloween? Is this a time of year for you where there's loads of parties and and watching films, or are you not a Halloweeny person? So I'm not a Halloween person. I, I actually celebrate something slightly different. It's like All Souls, so we celebrate the dead in a different way in my family. It's like a cultural thing, but. There is one Halloween tradition that I always do, which is the best movie ever, Hocus Pocus. Straight away, love it, love it. Straight away to Disney. No, literally, that is my only Halloween tradition. I'm like, where's my DVD? Go straight in. It's the best movie. Mm, is a is a classic one that and uh i started so i've got my daughter on the disney train you'll be proud to hear and uh we started using disney life i'm, uh, I'm basically yeah. living in this world where just maybe on the 12th of november it's just going to switch over to disney plus and that's just what's, what's going to happen right but there's actually a massive back catalog even on like i know everyone calls it the crappy disney app at the moment obviously hopefully yeah. it'll get a lot better but there's actually a massive back catalogue. Did you ever watch it? Maybe it's me showing my age, but there was this TV show called Gargoyles. Did you ever yeah. watch it? No, I know about that, yeah. They've got like the whole back catalogue on this. So my daughter's just like, I want to watch Lion King. No, no, you're watching Gargoyles. Watch this. <laughs> I feel like the, well, Disney Life obviously has quite a lot on it, but the you know when they, um, the Disney Plus Twitter thread that went on forever, and everybody was like, you oh okay? My God. Oh, I was like, you okay, hun? Because it was just constant, <laughs> like hours. And then when they put it together as a video, it was three hours worth of just quick cuts. So I was like, how much content? There were some questionable things on there. But the, the, like you said, the back catalogue is going to be insane. Also, just for your own benefit and sanity, I feel Disney Plus is better in the sense that you'll have all the new, more adult content. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I just totally made it, yeah, I made that sound like a weird porn app. That's not what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> All that adult content you want. <laughs> you know what I mean? Disney goes blue. Yeah, uh, but i got to say, after. some of the stuff, <laughs> some of the stuff that they're sharing, like, I sw- I'm calling out bullshit. I do not think they're real films. Like, some of them generally look like they're just trolling the internet and no one's calling them out on it. I'm calling them out on it. I refuse to believe that there's alien dog and uh, just all these random, like there was a ghost thingy as well. There was just so many just hilarious ones that the internet has taken and memes to hell. We have like a we have a world where Herbie is a film, so you have to accept there are films like this, Adam. True, and Batman is her dad. So <laughs> you, you mentioned it right at the start. Let's go straight into it. Hocus Pocus. Apparently, there is a sequel in the works. How much truth is in this? Um, I think it's probably well, it is true. Um, it, but it's a bit more complicated, I think. So Disney Plus, as we're on that train, there's two two different strains to this. So there's a book right. called Hocus Pocus, the sequel, and it's already out. 
And it basically picks up the story when Max and Alison actually do get together. So, you know, happy ending. And um, they have a they have a daughter. And the book basically tells the story of how she's people don't believe her because obviously her parents told this story about these three witches. And she um, is struggling with her own sexuality and stuff. So the book's already out there. And it, you know, it carries on the story. Disney Plus said it was going to make that for the streaming site. So that's already out, like, going to happen. As a film or like a TV show? I think it's going to be a film, but they've it's popped up in different iterations, but it was definitely on the list as one of the ones they're going to make. The actual sequel that everybody wants, like, no one really asked for the other one. I'm like, yeah, fine. At least I know that, you know, they made it, you know, they made it through as a couple because obviously I stand them at the time. But I want Bette Midler. So when they, the writer behind it said um, they actually are writing a Hocus Pocus 2, like a direct sequel. And they said that while none of the main, like Kathy and Bette Midler and Sarah Jessica Parker, hadn't been confirmed, that they would ask. So all I'm like thinking now is that everybody should just at Bette Midler on Twitter and be like, please give the people what they want. <laughs> Start the legion of fans. Yeah. I, I, I reckon, because it's one of those films that's got such a cult following, I reckon that so many people are going to be really happy that this thing is going to exist. And on top of that, like you say, the cast... Obviously, of all all respects to the, the legends that are in that film, they're not exactly up to much. So maybe maybe this is is a thing. So that's cool. Yeah, I, I was also like, I didn't realize this because I obviously I can't even. I think it was out in night. Is it ninety four? Maybe I think it was ninety four or ninety six. My, my my mind's got a bit split in two. But I was reading the other day like it wasn't like when it came out. It came out in July, which makes no sense. And it only, yeah, why would you not do it for uh, Halloween? But it also didn't do so well because it was completely the wrong time of year. So it uh, was fourth in box office takings and it lost out to Free Willy. So I was like, so it was only later when Freeform was a thing and it played every year for Halloween that people were like, this is a cult classic. So I feel like now you could do it, but maybe that's why there was no sequel before because people were like, oh, we don't know the true true genius of uh, Bette Midler yet. That's mad they've done it as a summer thing as well, isn't it? It kind of makes me think, like, like, end this debate for me now, Joanne. Nightmare Before Christmas. Is it a Halloween movie or is it a Christmas movie? It's a Christmas movie because he learns to love Christmas. But what I would say, it's the genius of Disney that bridges the gap between the two seasons. Ah, there we go. And is it cinema? cutting cutting questions well you know it's the whole debate about the scorsese slagging off marvel and then everyone's starting to ask questions about what's cinema and what's what's not cinema scorsese i'm just saying because i probably never come across him can get in the bin because (laughs) i I love him to pieces and all his work but why like ken ken loach as well like i know it's now this is what annoys me like one person asked the question of Scorsese, and he, well, to be fair, he volunteered most of his um, dislike of, like, inverted commas, theme park movies. But then all these other people jumping on the bandwagon. Even Jennifer Anderson um, Jennifer <laughs> Anderson was, like, getting in. I was like, excuse me, friends person with your haircut, can you get in the bin? The morning show <laughs> isn't worth – like, she's literally doing a streaming show for mm. Apple. If you want to talk about – Playing integrity yeah come on like yeah. come on no i'm sure the world waited with bated breath to hear what she had to say to weigh in on the subject but uh anyway moving on to another theme park ride the star wars trailer dropped uh, for rise of skywalker the final one tickets went on sale last week uh luckily enough i got a midnight showing i'm doing a last jedi uh 
into Forza, uh, sorry, Rise of Skywalker thing. And I hope it starts at midnight. I'll be really pissed if they do like a massive break and I've got to wait like a, a couple of hours. But anyway, you've seen yeah. the trailer. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I was, uh, I didn't, I was just like, I realized I reached the age where I've got work the next day. So like, <laughs> I cannot do a midnight schedule. So I'm doing it after work. So I was like, right, this is the true sign of age when I can't do this anymore. I've been called out on it already. The trailer, though, I was like, is interesting because in terms of publicity around Star Wars, Disney hmm. doesn't need to. Like no, they could just yeah. release it without any marketing and it's going to make a billion plus, right? Yeah, but it's interesting because Frozen is quite similar in that they've actually not given us a lot about either of those movies. And they're kind of the massive films of like that that kind of Christmas season that Disney's got coming up when you think about it. And Star yeah. Wars, it's not long. And they were like, this is your final trailer. And I was like, well, we haven't actually had a lot for you to say it's the final trailer. And in terms of teases, I know it was dividing people in terms of how much it gives away or whether it gives anything away, but like the scene of Ray, the kind of idea of showing what the ending is finally going to be and the, mm. the endless theories that it sparked. I fell down a bit of a, a, to be quite honest, I fell down a bit of a Reddit thread when I was trying to work out, <laughs> oh my goodness, that like people's attention to detail, they were talking about a scene where um, uh, Ray is standing like on the ledge and behind it there's like a kind of shadowy bit at the back of the, the shot and people right. had circled it and gone, that's the pit. So possibly Kylo Ren could fall down this pit, and that might be how it's liter- a literal rise of Skywalker. And I was like, my God, I need to get a life. <laughs> I was, I've gone down a similar rabbit hole, actually, and someone far more clever than me posted up something quite interesting, which is on each of the final trailers for The Force Awakens and for The Last Jedi, um, it's always been about misdirection in terms of what you're physically seeing on the screen in terms of the scenes they've cut and spliced together. But the audio, the narrative that's sitting underneath all of that has always been actually very truth to how the story is going to be told. But you've been such, you've had such a misdirection because of what's been shown on screen that you're, you, you kind of don't, don't follow the thread. So yeah, yeah, basically. So yeah, I'm, I don't want to go into it too much in case I end up inadvertently spoiling it, but, uh, but yeah, I'm, I am not a massive fan of The Last Jedi, although I applaud Ryan Johnson for like doing the things that he wants to do with this film. And mm. we can't always have the member berries that was The Force Awakens, right? I just like if you just the one thing, it's just the Luke Skywalker stuff. I know it's a stupid man baby thing to be about, but <laughs> I wanted to see my boy throw down. I wanted him to relive the glory days. And we kind of didn't get that, but we got a different film. So, you know, I applaud him for that. And um, I'm hoping that this can be saved. But you've killed your main bad guy. You've kind of done a bunch of... Uh, this will be me, and I'm going to stop before I end up just slagging off um, <laughs> Last Jedi, but I hope that this can can kind of land the franchise a little but bit. I was kind of like, if you think about it, because, see, I know everybody was hating on Last Jedi, but actually I didn't mind it. I was kind of like, I get why people are complaining, but I think Star Wars is one of those things that I've always watched it as a fan of it, obviously because of my age which should not be revealed um (laughs) i did watch the prequels when they were coming out and my brother was really into this because it's what was on so yeah i was reading like um i think it was hollywood reports that did a piece in it where they were like maybe using that, that you could bring the prequels together and kind of marry this up now and finally resolve this conflict we've had by having some kind of link with anakin because the whole point is like the only skywalker left is kylo ren it's like Ben's Ben mm. So that's all we have left. Ray isn't a Skywalker, even though all the focus has been on her. It's clearly about him. 
And, you know, the whole point was the redemption of Anakin and Darth Vader and Palpatine trying with Anakin, trying with Luke, and then now he's got Kylo Ren. So, like, actually the missing link here is if you have Luke as the Force ghost, the only one you're missing in this film is Anakin. So there was this whole big theory thing on Hollywood Reporter, like, wait a second, somehow he's got to link in. Otherwise, how are you ever going to tie up all these threads? Yeah, true. And it's kind of like, you know how, like, um, Age of Ultron seems a lot better now after Endgame? because of the way it kind of built those narratives yeah. and they've tied them together in a way which, you know, some people, I'm, I'm an ultron apologist. I actually really like that film still. But uh, maybe, just maybe, the prequel trilogy. And what's his name? Um, Hayden Christensen. Hayden Christensen. He's been involved in so Jar-Jar. many things. Yeah, I know. No, 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 don't. Yeah, leave, leave. <laughs> oh, no, but he's been involved in loads of, like publicity things over the last year so like at star wars celebration he was on yeah, stage and, cons and things yeah yeah so he's kind of been re-accepted into the fandom right as well so it kind of it's like why are you hanging out with these people if you're not involved in the project i suppose is what i'm trying to say i think as well like i, I mean i might be wrong from what i can tell and even from like mark camel's tweets i know he takes the mick a lot but he does often talk about um, like heading Christmas. So I think that might be an element of it, like him saying, like, I'm fine with him in terms of that role and Anakin, which kind of brings him into the foray in terms of Comic-Cons rather than the actual mm. franchise wanting him. And I, I don't know. I think it would be kind of nice. I mean, it would. It's, it's one of those things where it's like the actual person, the actor, whatever you think about it, what would be best in terms of storyline? Because it's mostly storyline with Star Wars that I'm like, right, you need to... There's a lot hanging on one final Yeah, you've got a film. lot to fix in this. yeah. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, uh, hopefully it's going to be awesome. Uh, it's and I like I like Star Wars being at Christmas. It's like we've had all these discussions about film of the year and everything else, and then just there's always that little conversation about Star Wars at the end. And uh, although it's going to be, you know, they claim it's the last of the the Skywalker saga, like bullshit, is it? The amount of money it's going to make. In fact, didn't, am I right in thinking it's done pre-sale like the most any film yeah. has ever is done? It- it's even beaten Endgame. It's literally like as soon as you mentioned a Star Wars film, the pre-sale tickets are actually ridiculous. It, it sees everything. It's Disney. I think someone put up a ranking system where it was like Disney beats Disney beats Disney beats Disney. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's like the you know when the big summer blockbuster comes out, whether it's a Marvel movie, a Jurassic movie, or whatever, it always breaks every record possible. And there's that poster thing that I think Spielberg started with Jaws. And then it was being passed around. It's almost getting to a point now where the poster might as well be to Disney, from Disney, love Disney. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> but uh, actually, yeah, back to the segue, speaking about posters, um, the Joker become the highest grossing R-rated movie of all time. Uh, you can say that list isn't exactly an exhaustive list, but Ryan Reynolds done the poster thing and listed out all the movies that it beat. And uh, what was your thoughts on Joker, by the way? Um, so... Um... oh no 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 okay there's many thoughts on joker one is as an r-rated movie separately do you do you see it as like a dc movie no i see it as a taxi driver scorsese ironically scorsese-esque uh film of a a person going down a path that no one should go but it's taken inspiration from the comics and it's got some nice lore bits to it but you could easily have taken those dc elements out of it and have just made an interesting psychological movie yeah so all this debate around like mental health and like the way it treated and things like that and actually i didn't see it when it originally came out because i was just insanely busy and and there was all this which is unusual for me so 
in terms of like hearing people's thoughts on it and all these pieces, I was like, well, this is this is why I normally watch something straight away because I don't like the influence. So when mm. you watch it, then I was like, oh, okay, actually, do I even see this as a DC movie? And then I was reading how um, Joaquin Phoenix was complaining and, or, um, you know, like because people were saying about the whole mental health treatment and stuff like that. And I was like, well, actually that's what it's about like Mm. whether you say it's good or not I don't see it as like a DC movie I see it as like more of a telling on um mental health and then even if you see in terms of violence it's very I I don't get why people complained about that because it's so specific and then in terms of it being an R-rated movie you know like they're like oh my goodness so much violence people are going to go mad for this and I was like well actually it's kind of in context (laughs) of the film it's not yeah but but in terms of the DC element to it and how it fits in what, they were basically saying that actually this might not even be the Joker. No, and what I was and um, if you want to hear a spoiler cast about it, we've done one uh, a few weeks ago, and I won't release any spoilers here. But I, there's kind of a concept in the T, and I'm not saying that this is on a level, but in the TV show Gotham, they tackled mm. the whole Joker thing quite interestingly. Of Joker can be an ideal and that inspires a lot of other creations that can happen. And I thought they might have gone down this route with that movie of this, this man, Arthur Fleck has certain things that happen to him and that gets publicized in a way that inspires the various incarnations of Joker we might know about. Now, you could even see a montage scene of someone breaking into a chemical factory, someone else doing another potential Joker origin, and it all mixes together into to one thing. I definitely agree with you. It felt like there was an agenda against that film before it even got released. And the thing that, that makes me laugh the most, and actually in that post that Ryan Reynolds shared, is from that famous scene where he's dancing on the stairs. That mm. has become like a tourist attraction in the Bronx. Yeah, that was, this is insane. But then I was like, actually... People were people were moaning the tw- the tweets about people that live nearby are hilarious. Where they're just like people need to just they, they I can't actually repeat half the stuff they said, but <laughs> basically telling people to get lost. But then I was like, well, actually, if you think about it, like Rocky, you know, Italian job. Yeah, you got the Rocky stairs. Yeah, yeah there's yeah, so exactly. many stairs because people are like this is weird. Why would you go to stairs? And I'm like, excuse you. There's so many examples of this in terms of film. Like, it's not that surprising. Very true. But it makes me laugh that all these people were writing their hot takes and their, you know, quote unquote, dangerous views of what this film could inspire. And the truth is, all it's done is just inspired some people to stand on some stairs and take some pictures, right? (laughs) Yeah, here's your level. I was actually like, that slightly annoys me in a separate way because, I don't know, it's the same as like a ratings, like the way ratings are on it. It's just like people who like to complain about things. And I'm not saying that Mm. there isn't sometimes a need to, because there are films, like it's more in terms of, I think the more ones I would agree agree with are like a green book and stuff like that, where it's like a like racist representation. So like when something's not represented in the right way, when it's violence or something like that, like the same in games, I'm just like, right. Okay. That's not their responsibility. This has an R rating on it. If you were taking someone through that movie (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you're gonna yeah you, you know what you're getting in for right yeah, yeah no, I, I completely agree with that i'm like okay fine it actually should probably more open up we could have had a more intelligent um discussion about mental health because that's actually what he was trying to say afterwards when he was doing his interviews is why he wasn't at the telegraph on where he walked out of it mm. so it was like, actually it could have opened up a discussion about you know why people take this route why you do it but obviously it, it doesn't happen because we get stuck on this kind of like you know how what kind of impact will it have because we're all manip- we're, we're clearly are sheep who uh, <laughs> follow the joker's tendencies to be fair if we didn't follow um jack nicholson and everyone else i think we're good 
yeah it's not like this is the first time that's happened right yeah but um while we're on the the dc warner brothers bandwagon at the moment so uh, it's been announced that michael Giacchico, if i pronounced that correctly anyway the amazing composer he done up the soundtrack to that as the name just about I a love few that. things he's going to be doing the score <laughs> for oh, that that ch- intro is one of the most charmingest <laughs> things i've ever seen in my life charming. well you talk about charming it's like i had a, like the music a is so charming. oh my goodness i was like having a mental breakdown i had to stop and get some bourbons because i watched it on dvd i was done <laughs> yeah but you know you got the the rest of the film like the film's the film's good like afterwards but it's fucking transcendent because of that intro right yeah. like i don't think you'll ever find a better tone piece without a word being spoken and you you literally understand exactly why uh, that old man is so so bitter and twisted at the start of that movie and it's just, yeah, and the, half the reason why it works, right, is because of that music, because of that, that tone he put together. And obviously he's, he's gone on to do some amazing things. In fact, apparently at um, Royal Albert Hall, he was doing a concert last week, and I'm gutted I did not know that existed because I would have It is crazy, though. Like could, could you imagine being offered? I, I was reading this going, wait a second. So but, <laughs> the batteries is just like, do you fancy a job? What? You don't just do it on stage in front of loads of people. What was if he said no? Well, yeah, exactly. So, so what Jan's talking about is during that concert, um, Matt Reeves turned up and kind of done like a fake proposal, but as like a pretend marriage proposal, but basically said, will you be my composer to my yeah. Batman movie? And he's like, yes, a thousand times, yes. Uh, but hey, you know, we are talking about some really good company to be in. You've got people like Danny Elfman, who done the original theme. Uh, well, I say original theme, but done the, the Tim Burton theme. Yeah. Uh, you know, love it or hate it, the Hans Zimmer score in the Snyderverse, however you want to call it, um, you know, is very good as well. And there's obviously lots of other people that have been involved that are to higher claim as well. So, I mean, are you, are you a, music score person or do you, do you not really care who's no no I, I i like the scores my brothers are more like intense in terms of the kind of instrumental scores behind things but i think i've got renewed appreciation by them but also in terms of michael's mm. work these these two have part of me goes he must have had some indication because they've teamed up before so it's like yeah, Dawn, those apes movies, yeah, yeah i was gonna say planet of the ape the new movies like cloverfield but then i was like even his own work he did broke one so mm. i quite like the score for that Spider-Man, that's quite good. And also... Oh, the Far From Home yeah, soundtrack is so good, that, isn't it? Yeah, that's good. And I was also like, um, he did Incredibles 2, which you wouldn't necessarily think of in terms of score, but in terms of like, obviously he's a Disney fan. I mean, hmm. that was actually, <laughs> you would trust it in his hands. I am super curious because um, I think after the Royal Abbott Hall um, fakey proposal thing, that um, he said he pretty much sat down and like bashed out some you know like the main gist of it and that Mm. that that um matt reeves had that in his back pocket already so he was using that as inspiration for where he's going with the film so i was like he must have already had stuff done for that to be the case and also it must be you know quite formed for him to come up with inspiration for the actual movie yeah, that's a good point, actually. And it is interesting because they're still casting, or they've, they've, I suppose they've just finished casting. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, Lanny Crevice is... <laughs> Lanny Crevice? Lanny, Lenny Crevice, there we go. <laughs> Larry Kravitz. His daughter's going to be um, 
going to be Catwoman, which is an awesome, interesting choice. And uh, obviously, we've got our bats as well. And uh, oh, Jeffrey Wright as Commissioner Gordon. Like the it's it's getting to a point where you know when a project doesn't matter whether you love it or hate it. There's so many interesting people involved that you can't help but pay attention. I was kind I mean, of sometimes annoyed. you get projects like Venom where like you go, oh my god, these amazing people, and you don't get a good film, so it doesn't necessarily talk, work out. But talked about Venom, Adam. Don't bring it up again. Scalping everyone. <laughs> Why would you do that? Hey, Eminem done the soundtrack uh, as well, right? I mean, what, uh, what, what, what more is there to hate? And then you're just like, how do you not know? Like for her, there. But Batman, though, I was just like, actually, I think it's a grower because when it was first announced, I was like, oh, crying out loud, DC. Just, I get that you're now kind of moving on and rebooting it, but I don't get how you're supposed to do this when, like Ben Affleck and all these other people, like it just didn't. It, it, I love DC, but in terms of the divisiveness of it, it was getting a bit frustrating. Um, and the whole Snyder Cut thing and him baiting people was really annoying me at the moment. Where I'm just like, if there is one, just sort that stuff out. Like, move on. But in terms of Batman, when they said Robert Pattinson, I was just like, Cedric Diggory? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> and also, I don't even like Twilight. So I was like, oh, no, this is going to be so much worse again. But Zoe Kravitz, I freaking love. I loved her in Fantastic Beasts. And also, um, oh, yeah, she, she's so good in that. And she made me cry. Like, it's the only thing in the Crimes of Grindelwald where I was like, because it's a bit of a hit and miss film, but she's mm. she's very good in it. In terms of like going from a light to dark character, in terms of her journey, she she gets yeah. it bang on. And I didn't necessarily see her as like a credible, not not a credible, but like like a an actress that I would you know even really known about. But then when she was talking, and she was very very honest when she's talking about being cast for Batman, she was like, "Oh yeah, so you know, in terms of Nolan's movie, in terms of diversity." I think she was saying like originally she got told that it just wouldn't work for her being in the Batman universe. And so it makes it even better that she's now cast in the Batman. It's kind of like brought it all together. And I think it's quite cool having, she's just quite cool generally. Also nice link because um, Aquaman, Jason Momoa is her stepdad. Mm. Really? Yeah. Wow. I did not know that. Now that is like, if you're, if you're dating a girl and she goes, do you want to meet my stepdad? That's like <laughs> the one guy you don't want. Well, maybe he'd be awesome to go for a beer with, but, but a like he's, everyone's always going to say to you, Oh, no, that's the stepdad. Eh? No, it's better looking than you are. And he is like the most menacing man on the planet. You one st- thing that pisses me yeah. off about what a lot of people have been saying about her casting on the internet, and you should never look to the internet for, for any form of joy sometimes. But, um, a lot of people, it's the same sort of crowd on Twitter saying she's not quote unquote comic book accurate, which is shorthand for saying I'm a massive racist. But um, are they not aware that we have had like a black cat woman before? I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that was a good film, but it's not like this that one interpretation you saw in the 80s means mean that Halle that's Berry? the only representation you can ever see. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? Yeah, so yeah. it's just, uh, yeah, it's, hey, Matt Reeves is a chuffing great director he is picking people on merit and she seems absolutely incredible from the limited stuff i have seen but uh yeah i'm really really excited about this and the score is going to sound fucking awesome like yeah you don't get someone like this gentleman involved if it's not going to be amazing yeah it does sound like it's coming together and like i said i think it's actually kind of growing now so i, I am way more open to seeing robert patterson as batman now um, so which is not something i would have uttered like when it was first announced I don't think anyone would have had that at the start of the year, to be honest. <laughs> saying, well, vampires is not something to put in your CV, really, is it? So, no, true. Right, I've got to ask you this because I know you obviously I'm speaking to one of the biggest Disney 
lovers on the planet. How do you feel about the idea of rebooting Pirates of the Caribbean? Oh, I was wondering which option you were going to go for because there's been quite a lot of Disney. Uh, <laughs> I was like, yeah. Um, Pirates of the Caribbean is a strange one because this has been going on for a while now. And it's kind of like, right, are we rebooting this? Because they said about this, oh, goodness, was it a couple of months ago when it first popped up? Hmm. And they were saying, right, the script went to the Deadpool writers and they were trying to, yeah, so that was actually happening. And Bob Iger even confirmed it. They were trying to reboot it. They were talking about it. They weren't sure if Johnny Depp would be involved because all the, uh, and with Johnny Depp. Because it's Johnny Depp. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Enough said, legally, moving on. Um, But yeah, so I was like, right, okay. So clearly they're going down that humor route. They want, they want to do that. That ended and they parted ways. So that didn't happen. And now the novel creator, Craig Mazin, is attached to it. And he, he's hmm. written more comedy before that, like The Hangover and stuff anyway, hasn't he, in terms of that team. So I was like, actually, oh, yeah, because yeah, I was like, wait a second. Are we at- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a bleak, a bleak uh, film about a natural, well, not natural, but a, a disaster where a lot of people lost their lives and a gritty drama. Uh, yeah, let's make a Pirates movie. Yeah, so I was like, hmm, I'm not sure how this will work. But then I was like, wait a second, I just completely forgot that before that he'd had all this other stuff and i think actually it helped him having something like um you know under his belt because we don't know the route they're going with pirates and i'm guessing it will have the humor but if it hasn't got johnny depp in if you remove that and you're trying to work out where it's going yeah but that's why i'm wondering they have to find something i'm just like having been through so many scriptwriters. my only fear Mm. is uh when the project's had that, it kind of loses an essence or something. So unless you properly reboot it and go, right, we're just starting afresh, it makes me nervous. It's fascinating they're going down this direction because I remember when the last Pirates movie came out, I was listening to a load of interviews with the directors and they were talking about the creative process they were trying to do to not... They didn't want to reboot the pro- like the franchise at that point. They just wanted to kind of bring in some a some new blood, but also have a bit of continuity from the previous movies. And they were saying that every idea they were pitching, they were like, "Oh yeah, Jack can't can't change too much in this film. Uh, his character art can't really change too much. He's basically like Mickey Mouse. He's mm. he's never going to change, right?" And obviously that tanked, and they realised. And also, like you say, for for reasons uh, out of our legal control of what we can say or can't say about. <laughs> uh, they might be thinking about what they're doing with their star in this premise. So, um, yeah, I completely forgot that um, that Craig worked on stuff like The Hangover before. How fucking talented are those people? You've got Todd Phillips who goes and makes the Joker. You've got the Shinobo writers. I mean, incredible. I was also kind of like actually in terms of having faith in the – it's not – it is a reboot, but in terms of team – they haven't changed everyone because um, what's his face? Jerry, uh, Jerry is, is still producing this. So he's, he's still got mm. the oversight. So I would trust the fact that he would check it with, you know, it's got the essence of it. And the other, I'm trying to remember who Craig's with Ted Elliott has been like, he's written on this before, I think. So it's like, actually it's not so far removed now. I think it's more they went too, they went far with the Deadpool writers like Reed Reese and Paul Wernick and then mm. they've gone, right, let's come back now and we're actually keeping something of the essence of it. Also, it's kind of mental when you think about how much money Pirates has made and just as a franchise, how precious people get when it came from a Disney ride. So. Yeah, very true. Take that, Mr. Scorsese. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but didn't it buy Johnny Depp? A, like, I don't know if this is true, but apparently in the contract negotiations for one of the movies, he basically got a small island out of it 
Which small island are you, is this? I don't, like I don't a... <laughs> know what small island. It was like a little tropical island. They said, I oh, will buy you a little island as well. Uh, that's probably internet purple monkey dishwasher. <laughs> but uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised because at one point, like you say, those pirates movies were probably the highest grossing on Disney's lot at the time. And like the, the allure that the character Jack Sparrow had with merch and, and everything else was you know, incredible. So he probably could command Robert Downey Jr. level sort of money mm. um, at that point. Or an island. There you go. Or an island, yeah. So, and while we're still on Disney, let's talk about the idea of Robert Zemeckis directing a live-action Pinocchio. I know. I was kind of. I, I wouldn't say I was surprised by them picking him because he's great. But it's Robert Zemeckis. But yeah, why did he want to do this? Well, that's uh, like I don't know. It's because originally I was like the live-action Pinocchio. I was under the impression, and actually, I still think this is the case that they were. It's a dark. Del Toro mo- attached or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was a dark. It's a dark movie. As in the whole mm. premise of it is pretty freaking, yeah. That donkey scene, even when it's oh. like in animation form, scared the shit out of me as a yeah, kid. Yeah, I was like, actually, the original like couple of um, Disney animations that was behind it, like the, the studios are like that, where it's like it's only like Renaissance wise that I mean they still are, but they're not quite as harrowing. Pinocchio is pretty mm. scarring, but I was like, okay, so you've got that, and then you you <laughs> you have a guy that's been behind um, movies like you know. Back to the Future or whatever, and you're just like, how is this? I, I trust him. And he did Forrest Gump as well, didn't he? Yes, yeah, yeah. And then maybe it kind of makes more sense to me in terms of like having someone that's got that breadth across stuff, because I think you kind of need someone that has a humour of, you know, who framed Roger Rabbit, but also yeah. has that underlying thing of like, there's been other films he's done that have, have more to them. I think he's an amazing director. He's one of my favourite directors of all time. Don't get me mm. wrong, he's had some stinkers, but um, the ones, <laughs> I mean, his hit rate, when he when he's good, he you get Forrest Gump, you get Back to the Future, etc. And why would he want this? And to be honest, I was more excited when it was a Del Toro project because I feel that he can bring an interesting style and a voice to a story which, to be honest, we're kind of like, we all know what it is. So if you're going to just take something like that and just do it in live action, and as we've seen with certain adaptations, they can be quite lifeless unless you're bringing a different voice or a different perspective to it. So Del Toro would have bought that. And I don't know what Robert Zemeckis is going to bring that we don't already see or already know because of the original version. But yeah, who knows? Maybe they'll get Robert Downey Jr. somehow to be Geppetto and he can oh, do no. his weird Irish Doolittle voice <laughs> <No>. as well. <laughs> He's already, the Doolittle thing already blows my mind in terms of Holland and him. I'm like, geez, let's not do this anymore. With um, Robert, though, I was like, actually, the not casting aspersions or anything, but in terms of, I was trying to think. So Castaway was 2000? Polo yep. Express, 2004, I know that one because I, I took kids to see it. Beowulf, because I was at uni, 2007. Christmas mm-hmm. Carol. What was after that he's done? I was thinking uh, about this. Flight film. with Denzel Washington. Yeah, well. Uh, Again, like I say, last 10 years, he's, he's, had, a, he's had a few stinkers. But he also he has The Witches. The Flash at one point. Yeah, but The Witches um, he has for 2020. So I feel like maybe the Pinocchio thing is more a banking on where he's going with things now because the witches actually looks pretty good and i was like if you're going more like that kind of raw dull dark route it would fit what we're thinking mm-hmm. with pinocchio so maybe it's more of a you know ah oh, this makes sense to me now do you think they need to hold hold for a second now on these live remakes because even i mean elton john 
come out and even slag <laughs> yeah, off. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Elton John's always slagging someone off, though. It's like that's, that's to be fair. That he that's that, that's he calls that Monday. Yeah, I was going to say Tuesday <laughs> for other him, reasons, but, but yeah, um, he was he was having a go at George Michael the other day. I was like, geez, mate. But it was like um, Lion King. Uh, that yeah. So you have to go back as there. Like Elton John coming out and saying like. Um, Oh yeah, I think they went a bit off point with the music, and um, he wasn't really. He was disappointed. One, I'm pretty sure a lot of that's from he won awards and was the sole person behind it. And then Beyonce was like, step aside for the second one. Mm-hmm. She like was all over that like a rash. Got two albums out of it, so I'm like, fine, I get that. And also, he does tend to come across badly when he does interviews because even if so, like if so, anyone else had gone. You know, it was upsetting. It's upsetting because I would have liked more to do with it. I think Julie Andrews, when she talked about Mary Poppins originally, was like, "Oh, okay, that's interesting." They're doing a reboot, but then since then, she's gone. Okay, maybe it's time because it's a new generation. I was actually reading today because she did that interview, didn't she, where she said she turned down a role in um, Wolf of Wall Street because she was unwell at the time, and so she was like, they asked her about Mary Poppins and the reboot, and she was like, "No, no, no, wait. Let me be clear. Like Emily Blunt was amazing in that, and you need to see them as separate entities." Like, it's a different generation. It's not about us. It's about this new one. That being said, that being said, I think that there's now, like, scales to them. So, like, uh, Lady and the Tramp is only for Disney+. And that's clearly not yeah. marketed at the same people. It's clearly a kid's movie, like, properly a kid's movie. It has Great cast, though. Yeah, exactly. Great voice cast. And, but it's real dogs, and maybe that steers into a problem that Lion King had about the, you know, the, the faces being able to be able to convey emotion. But if you're aiming it at maybe a young audience, it doesn't matter. Whereas Corella DeVille with Corella and Emma uh, Stone. I, Great cast. Yeah, but I'm also, like, really curious about that because having, having, like, an origin story like Maleficent that's not a fairy tale based one might... Mm-hmm be curious because Maleficent 2 has obviously just come out I watched that and actually I quite liked it but it's not you know blown people away and it's clearly again aimed at a younger audience even though it has like scary moments for kids but I feel Corella I don't know where it sits currently she's doing this whole punk vibe thing which feels like an older audience but do we know enough about it yeah so I'm like that might be a good indication of where they now want to go with live action because they're going to run out of ones that are that core basis so Little Mermaid is coming Hmm. and I think that might be the last one Ariel didn't they yeah so that's the last one of the core renaissance movies we've had um, Lion King we've had Beauty and the Beast uh, we've had Aladdin the last one left of the core ones from the renaissance was Little Mermaid part of it Little Mermaid that's the last one in the, that well, era. Well, the Little Mermaid was the first. Hercules remake. I reckon they could do that well. Well, that actually is another one on the list. But what I mean is, like, um, it's actually the 30th anniversary of Little Mermaid um, Thanksgiving, and that started the Renaissance. So you've got Little Mermaid that kicked it off. Um, Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast followed. But I was like, actually, in terms of like the actual beginning of it, I think generally that's like the accepted core, and then it starts being a bit more. Uh, hit and miss from like you've got Mulan and ones Hercules and things like that. Hercules, obviously Mulan is being remade too. I just didn't count it. Yeah, yeah, no, interesting stuff. But um, but yeah, I'm I I don't know. I think after the although the 
made a truckload of money. They all have. Aladdin's made so much money. In fact, apparently the sequel's going to happen. And uh, I'll be absolutely gobsmacked if Guy Ritchie is still somehow <laughs> sequel to it, considering how you know, some of the reports are saying that he wasn't very uh, Happy, attentive yeah. on that project, um, for lack of a better phrase. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. And also, I've realised I've started becoming a John Favreau apologist. Like, I generally love everything that man does. Maybe it's yeah. just Shep. Maybe it's just I'm becoming hooked on. I was saying this to my wife the other day. I was like, all of a sudden, after watching Chef, it's been like a gateway drug to cooking shows. I'm now watching Bake Off. I'm now watching <laughs> MasterChef, all because of John Favreau. But this isn't just like an apologist, then. You just basically, I don't know what that is. <laughs> that's, that's just like just, where, where he goes, you shall follow. Yeah. Uh, you know what? That Daredevil movie where he plays Foggy, brilliant acting. <laughs> 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 I know what just to wrap off news, so Neil Patrick Harris, he has been cast uh, yes. in a new Matrix movie. Um, I, I, to be honest, after those those sequels, like done it for me. I was like, you know what, I, I always wanted to know what happened next for Neo, and then we got it, and I was like, actually, I would have happy happily have not opened that box now knowing what we got. But uh, what you, what's your take on this? Happy, yeah. Um, well, see, Matrix is a strange one because I liked. <laughs> I was actually my husband about this. The first Matrix movie, everybody kind of was like in this weird fever pitch around Keanu and like everything that happened. And then I remember the sequels and going, I don't know why we asked for it. Like you just said, like why? Sometimes you just need to leave something when it's, you know, when everybody just absorbs it. And, good. and sometimes we push so much for something and you're like, oh dear, what have we done? What have we done? So with Matrix 4, it kind of caught me by surprise. Because I was just like, wait a second, did we? But I feel, because um, Keanu Reeves is attached to it, isn't he? So I was yeah. like, right, this is a Keanu Reeves movement. You say about you being a John Favreau apologist, the Keanu Reeves fans are, like, just insane. I love him, and I, I bet, but only recently, and I kind of understand where this Matrixians come from in that context. Because for Toy Story 4, he, it's not like necessarily he's playing a different character. I think he's playing Keanu Reeves, but he's hilarious. And when he did the promos and when he just took everybody, you know, they just love him. So in that Netflix movie done recently. Oh my goodness, that was so funny. Uh, (laughs) It's it's basically being a character of himself. But you're right, that's very similar to his acting style in terms of, in fact, you know, there was a good 10, 15 years of him being the butt of all jokes. And then he kind of lived through his heckling phase to kind of have a little renaissance, not a little, it's a massive moment in terms of the John Wick movies and then everything else that's inspired, the new Bill and Ted movie that's happening. So, And we're all here for it. And yeah, that's cool. So I think, like like you said, is maybe even taps into the kind of thing you were saying about the Disney with live action. It's kind of when you look at why things certain things have been revived, and like you said, Bill and Ted and things. It's these ones are literally because he was in them. So it's not even like they've given him new new roles. It's gone. Wait a second, what was Keanu Reeves good in? We want to do that again. Let's just give people more of Keanu Reeves <laughs> instead of just like a new movie. He hasn't actually had a new movie. He did John Wick's in terms of like a third one, but I don't think that counts. Neil Patrick Harris, though, oh, did you see him in a series of unfortunate events on Netflix? Yeah, I thought he gave a great performance. The only problem is, is that everyone inevitably just thinks about Jim Carrey, and yeah, then no, which is great. Yeah, I know. But he he's great in it, in my opinion. But in terms of, I'm pretty sure this is his like first proper movie role, and I'm so curious. Yeah, to that, a movie. yeah but does that count? <laughs> No, it doesn't. But it's just ironic that we'll be reviewing that Terminator, a Terminator movie later on. But yes, yeah, like you said, I don't actually. I, he's a TV actor, right? We think yeah. about how you make 
Libra and stuff like that. And and he is at like if you don't follow him on social media, like what you do and follow him, he is hilarious. The relationship he has with his husband is just priceless. And he you can tell he generally is obsessed with wanting to be in a Batman movie. Oh no, and every no. Halloween he's always tweeting photos of him dressed as Riddler or doing different things. And you know every time that the opportunity comes up, he's just ringing his agent going, "Oh come on, get me that sweet gig. See, I just I can do it. I've got the outfit." <laughs> but this is what's really weird. You just you kind of tapped on two things I was going to say about him. One, his Halloween pictures like are great. I think that's great. If you didn't follow him, you followed him for that. But the Riddler one is interesting because before the Batman kind of actual Matt Reeves movie came about, I was like, Neil Patrick Harris would be a good Riddler. However, having played a Jim Carrey role with series of unfortunate events, could could he play could he play Riddler? Because Jim Carrey did, and it just looks like you're literally being the new Jim Carrey and following in his stead. That has blown my mind. Yeah, so I'm kind of like, wait a second, is Neil Patrick Harris the new Jim Carrey? But part of me wants to also see him as the Riddler, so I kind of also don't care. I don't know. Yeah, I'm you know, They have cast their Riddler now, haven't they? I know. And actually, to be fair, yeah, no, but he's great too. I actually think that was a really good casting. So I was kind of like, I get that. And also, I kind of want to – I know they haven't said what Neil Patrick Harris's role is yet because I'm guessing it's bigger – so that's why I was kind of semi-joking when you were saying about other things um, he, he might have been in, in terms of big screen, because I think most people were saying this is kind of his like proper big role. So it must be either the villain or, you know, the the kind of counterpoint to um, Keanu Reeves and stuff. Otherwise, why not say? Yeah, that's very true. In fact, actually, now you said that, I can really see him as the new Agent Smith, yeah, you know, exactly. whatever the, the Matrix new equivalent is going to be within that world. Also, um, Jada Pickett-Smith is going to be reprising her role as well. Mm. And I, when the, when the, although the sequels, yeah, I can take them or leave them, there's one thing which I really, really fucking applaud these people for, which was at the same time that the matrix reloaded came out playstation made a game called enter the matrix oh yeah and that was the first i don't i don't think any other project has done this to this level was they went and filmed a bunch of stuff because jada pickett smith's character was the main character in the video game Mm. and they went and filmed loads of extra scenes or it might have been just off cuts from reloaded but anyway the only way you can watch this, collect these things edited and collected together is via the narrative of this game and i just remember thinking this is going to change video games like this is incredible and no one ever done it again but maybe with her being <laughs> back on this film we might get a sequel to that game who knows i feel like that's your kind of thing that you need to run with now and do a petition and you know just get out of hand <laughs> and then she'll message you and do like a video like the whole family do when these things happen i'm just saying there we go that's that's my new my new purpose in life but um, anyway that is your news for this week my name is sarah connor august 29 1997 it was supposed to be judgment day but i changed the future saved three billion lives enough of a resume for you no. You may have changed the future, but you didn't change our fate. 
Uh, Terminator Dark Fate is the latest movie in the Terminator franchise. It's directed by Tim Miller, the guy who directed Deadpool. Jim Cameron is back behind the camera in a producing capacity because he's somewhere in a submarine making his seventh Avatar film, still not releasing his second one yet. And it is a return of Linda Hamilton as well as Arnold Schwarzenegger reprising their roles from Terminator to Judgment Day. This is uh, part of a trend that's happening in Hollywood recently of looking at franchises and going, you know what, we're just going to admit we made shit sequels. And instead of just doing a sequel to the shit sequel, we're going to redcon them and say, we're only doing a sequel to the films we want. Think about Halloween, similar thing here. This is the direct sequel to Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Uh, For the uninitiated, mild spoilers for Terminator 2, but that film is 30 odd years old now. So please forgive me. Uh, Basically what has happened in this movie is that, Terminator 2 happens, Judgment Day is averted, and a new future has happened. And in that new future, the machines have taken over again because fate and the Terminators have been built in a new way and sent back in time to kill a new person of importance. And uh, that's that's kind of the premise for this film, really. Uh, uh, Joe, what's your your thoughts on this film? Does it deserve to exist and has it succeeded? It's a tough one. So... Basically, my family absolutely love Arnold Schwarzenegger. We watched all these movies when we were younger, though we shouldn't have because of the age of <laughs> them. Um, and I have really clear memories of Terminator 1 and Terminator 2. I freaking love them. They're like, uh, Terminator is definitely up there in terms of like some of my favourite like family-based movies. Um, hmm. E2 was clearly where they should have ended it originally. Yeah. And then they continued with the sequels. And I was like, oh, please stop. Because... T2 gave them the ending that I thought Sarah Connor deserved in terms of wrapping it up. However, however, I am, I wasn't a fan of this before. Halloween, like, I like Halloween, and I was like, right, discounting your own sequels (laughs) is a very strange way of going about things. Like you said, it's kind of admitting you've made, like, guys, we made, like, millions and billions of dollars of mistakes, and normal people don't get to do that. So with this film, I went into it going, right, okay, you're going to have to impress me because... I appreciate that you're telling me that you basically fucked up. You've got Arnold Schwarzenegger back. You've got Linda Hamilton. Are you going to give me a story that's worth telling? Because what is left to tell? If you're saying the others don't count, we're leaving it at T2. I really like that ending. When I was watching it, I had like many thoughts. Um, one, Arnold Schwarzenegger is still funny. Because I, I, I did actually like quite a lot of his jokes and lines, which I will not spoil. But I chuckled and thought my dad is going to freaking love that. And then <laughs> he lo- he loves Arnold. But I was also like, Linda Hamilton is problematic because of, I know too much in terms of the whole backstory with Terminator and her relationship with James Cameron. So when I was watching it, mm. it was a little bit in the back of my mind. I, you know, the way this is, I know this is a bit of a spoiler, but not really because it literally how it starts. You know, the start when it comes up with 20th Century Fox and has the like kind of grainy images and shows you her from before. Hmm. I watched that and I hadn't watched T1 and T2 before I watched this one. And I went, I forgot how freaking good she actually is as an actress because she kind of went into yeah, nothing. Yeah, incredible. Yeah. So when she came back, I was like, do you know what? I was looking forward to Arnie, but I actually freaking appreciate Linda Hamilton in this. And I kind of was like, oh, I'm glad she got to do it, which gives me a reason that it happened because I couldn't think of one even after I watched it. (laughs) (laughs) No, I agree with you. I think she is, like you say, like really understated 
actress, especially in T2, because you think about the obvious stuff of that film, but actually she has to do a lot of lifting. She does it in a way where actually adds gravitas to it, actually makes it believable. I remember that, you know, that voiceover work she does in that scene where Arnie's with John and she's like basically saying that the closest dad he's ever had has been this death machine. She does it fucking well. In this film, she's great, but she's great for popcorn reasons, right? She gives kick-ass dialogue. She gets a big-ass shotgun. She says, I'll be back because that's a line that Arnie says a lot. And this is a Terminator movie and they want to ram it down your fucking throat. Literally every three minutes they're going. And I was, yeah, I, you know, people know in this podcast, I may have slagged it off a few times from the trailers, basically saying, why does this film exist? Uh, I've had enough. There's some things that are some good positives to take away from this. Mackenzie Davis plays yeah. essentially the time traveller who has also been sent back to protect the important person, basically riffing off of the first movie. And actually, there's a whole thing about, I think this film tries to be the Force Awakens of Terminator movies <laughs> by borrowing lots of elements to yeah. kind of be like, oh, yeah, there's a scene where they're chasing them and there's a big lorry oh, we're going to do a thing where is it part human? Is it part robot? Well, you slag that off in Salvation, but you're fucking getting it here. And guess what? Terminator Judgment Day happens anyway, regardless, just like Rise of the Machines. So it kind of borrows a lot from the, the law of Terminator, which, let's face it, it is not a franchise. It's two good films and then a bunch of fucking train wrecks afterwards. Mm. And a lot of people are coming out and saying this is the third best Terminator movie like that, some form of praise. And in all honesty, that's a pretty low bar. If that's where you're setting it at. Look, it's good enough. It warrants its existence. Some of the action is good. Uh, Gabriel Luna plays the new Terminator in this. And the kind of twist they've done is that this is not one Terminator. It's actually two. They share a body. One of them's covered in liquid and the other one's the classic statue that we, we know and love before. Um, and Gabriel does an interesting job. He was Ghost Rider in the yeah. um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season. And you know what? He tries his best with what he's got. But, you know, and they keep inventing stupid ways for a T-1000 Terminator unit to somehow be hanging around. And also, don't worry, because it ages. That's why Arnie ages in this, and it looks fine. Yeah, but the weird. excuse they come up with, oh, my God, that story's terrible. I was kind of like, wait a second, because that... In the trailers, I think this was the like talked about thing anyway, wasn't it? In terms of like trying to understand this, and I was like, oh, I'm not sure about this because, I th- yeah, there was a few things I quibbles. One was that, and two, um, I, well, I agree with pretty much everything you said. It was more one of the things that really bugged me in terms of it not being needed is two things. One, I know Cameron was trying to do this whole feminist thing with it. Because he's like, you know, great, great. <laughs> because he, he decided to have a fight with Patty Jenkins last year, exactly. didn't he, about so female like, empowerment. Well, yeah. So he's like, now I need to fix this. So, yes, fine. And actually, do you know what? It didn't jar that he had the kind of essentially three female leads and then the terminates them out, blah, blah, blah. Fine. But you don't. He, he undermined it so much because Linda Hamilton, when she was doing interviews, said that they made her wear padding, like on like crucial areas, shall we say. Which kind of under, <laughs> undercuts the whole feminist agenda. I'm like, Cameron, mate, like, do you understand the concept of, oh, dear God. So that really wound me up all the way through. And I actually found myself going, is, where, is that padding? Because I knew it. So that annoyed me. And <laughs> I was just like, you just ruined that point. But also the, I think it was the, the whole actual premise of it was winding me up. Because if you go, when you go back, and like I was saying, like, obviously, the way, um, 
Ali, obviously, there's a different Terminator and like the whole concept of like ending the whole tied up thing with John Connor. You have to get it out of the way quite fast. I get that. Mm. But then I was also like, right, so you gave us this happy ending to T2. You ruined it straight away. So if you are a fan of the first two, you have kind of ruined that. But also Cameron was saying that he did, he had an alternate ending to T2, which would have ended the whole thing of all these blooming sequels and i only recently was reading about it properly but he was like so the, it was a flash forward to the future sarah connor's old right. and it's normal there was no apocalypse none of this bullshit stuff going on and i was like if he'd done that then we wouldn't have had all of this like genesis and all this other stuff following but obviously it did he didn't do it he would didn't release it they even filmed it and so i'm like that's all yeah. there yeah and we didn't get that so part of me was also seething at the fact that we didn't give her that. But I, I don't know. I just feel like if we were having to find reasons, there's a lot of films recently where I'm like, you're trying to find a reason to pick up something. And I don't think anyone's found that sweet spot of going, we've carried it on and picked up the feeling from the original because mm. they often come across as quite shallow for emulating them. So it's like you were saying, like the, the music, when it starts, I'm like, oh, great, that's, that's a freaking good score. We were talking about scores earlier, but at the same yeah. time, I'm like, I know what you're trying to do to me. You're manipulating me because yeah. you're using the way. And I'm also one thing I would add as well when you're saying the I'll be back thing. I was so glad that they got that early because if they had used that as a punchline later, I would have been fuming because it's clearly like they did it to get out of the way. And the fact she said it and not Arnie was better. So I was like, at least in the the way they did it, they did it for fan service at the start and got it done. Because in later, obviously, they gave him other lines that played into that humour that we didn't have to go, oh, my God, you're literally trying to fill these beats to, to copy Terminator from before. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Also, I, I'm glad you said it about the, the three female leads part. I think the will is there, right, to, to, make, to make representation better on screen. And that's great. But... I think the direction and writing lets it down. I think that the fact that, and this is what I said about the, one of the reasons Hustlers is my film of the year is because it's fucking good. Mm. I don't think anything about the fact that it has been directed and written by a woman and it's got loads of women on stage and it's very much about a female empowerment story. It's just a good fucking story. But one of the things that comes out of this is that it was a stripper movie, but it was through the female gaze of a director. And that meant that, when it was nudity and everything else involved, it wasn't there to titillate, it was there to give the story meaning and everything else. Now, have you watched this Terminator movie? It's just Jim Cameron doing a Jim Cameron movie. So he literally does a scene where, and this is not a spoiler, but when the saviour person realises that she is the saviour, it's almost like they've just gone, okay, see, we've swapped the genders. Happy now? She even says to him, you're John, you're John. And it's just... Like I oh, say, yeah, the cast you, do a great yeah, job, no. but I think the direction and the scripting and the story, you know, that's still done by some middle-aged white dude in an office somewhere. You know, it's still, mm. it's not necessarily pushing it forward. You just reminded me of a line that actually really wound me up. And again, it's it's not necessarily, I think, pretty obvious from the start when we start clocking that they're all running around protecting um, Danny. But, you know, when um, it's basically what you're talking about when she says you're John. After that, when she's yeah. properly talking about it and she says before she's clocked that, she says to her yeah. about the Mother Mary, and she says, you're, it's your womb. And I was like, you're literally criticising yourself, saying that you... Your own franchise. Yeah, yeah. so I was like, you whittled it down to saying it's about... It wasn't about Sarah Connor. It was about the fact she was able to carry that person. But I was like, do you know what? It works back with the story of Mother Mary. It's fine. If you just steer into it, 
no one has saw that as like an, that anti-feminist thing. What it is is how you treat that character. Sarah Connor was a fucking badass. No one cared mm. that it wasn't about her. It was about her son because the story was good. If you then, yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I don't like the backwards apologies sometimes people do in movies. I think that my Terminator was better than I expected. Yeah, but did we need it is still a question that I haven't quite like settled because I'm like, I enjoyed it, but did we need it? I'm not sure we did. There's a lot of films yeah. like that though, the way I can be like, I mean, we could be having this conversation about matrix for like, <laughs> <laughs> very true. Very true. But I thought, you know, for all its faults, I thought some of the action pieces were incredible. I thought the, there's a scene pretty much right at the beginning between Mackenzie Davis's grace and, uh, Gab, uh, Gabriel's, uh, Terminator unit fight, which was, absolutely bone crunching awesome and that's the reason why you get someone like tim miller involved you look at films like did he direct atomic blonde am i right in thinking uh, that's incredible as well and yeah the action the action's great and it does have some good set pieces um you know does this warrant its existence i probably think not though um because like i say it's just it felt like they tried to do the force awakens of terminator movies i will it span sequels i hope not to be honest, but a lot of people are singing its praises and kind of hoping for it. But the audience scores are still quite divided at the moment. It's kind of sitting around the, the 70, 80% mark. Uh, but where would you score it? Oof. Out of five. Out of five. Oh, you see, you didn't pick up on my, me moaning about the rating system earlier, did you? <laughs> Rate it. Everything needs to be rated. Everything needs a system. No, no, no. Because basically, if it's out of five, if it, like, no one, if it's one or two, people just. We all accept we mean it's shit. If it's three, it's because we can't yep. decide. If it's four, we just know we can't give everything five. That's my problem with them. But I was like, in terms of Terminator. Three out of five then. <laughs> well, there we go. <laughs> but I was like, because that's my point. I would say around three. But in terms of, because it it, it did have enough to engage me in terms of the, the fight scenes. And I think, okay, it gave Linda Hamilton that kind of chance to come back. But then, yeah, I did. I, in terms of reason behind it and in terms of like actual strength of the time travel thing is so convoluted at this point that i'm like what's going on i'd i'd love for someone on youtube to do a terminator timeline taking into account all of its canon and see how fucked up it really is i can imagine at one point there's about six terminators just sitting around doing nothing in this timeline of oh i'm just going to pop up in this year and uh, you'll pop up there and and we'll pop up there and everything will be fine but don't worry because arnie will age perfectly fruity so it'll make sense but uh but yeah so there you have it terminator dark fate three out of five I would probably recommend waiting until it's on some form of streaming service. Uh, but what do I know? Because it's apparently doing really well at the box office at night. I'll be back. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. If you've enjoyed listening to this, then maybe, just maybe, you're willing to go a little bit further. If you click on the like, follow, subscribe, whatever button it means that you get more content from Talk Filmy to me, you'll hear stuff about our spoiler specials and interviews that we have lined up. But more importantly, I want to thank Joanne. How can people find you? Uh, on Twitter, it's just my name, Joanne underscore Brownie. Facebook, it's just my name. Or um, I think I spoke about it before, but I'm a massive Disney fan. Might have mentioned it. Um, we, I actually have a... like blog which i slightly ran about disney called obsessive disney disorder now so that's how you just died so watch this space 
amazing. We'll tweet that and make sure it's in the description as well. Next week, uh, hopefully the pod will happen on time, but full disclosure, full disclosure, like I'm in court or something, <laughs> uh, we are expecting our second child is going to be born very soon. So I'm very, very excited. So I might have to go do my dad thing meaning that timings might be a little bit fucked up. But basically, next time we're on the pod, we're going to be talking about Secret Cinema Stranger Things. I have an interview with one of the creative directors on that, and that's going to be pretty cool. Uh, hopefully, The Irishman, we would have seen the screener by then as well, so I'll be giving a, a reaction, but I don't know about embargoes. And there's a bunch of other filmy stuff in between. T- uh, stay filmy till next time. We're down in the basement We'll lock the cellar door and baby. Talk filmy to me.